At Can't Stop Endurance, we work with runners from beginner to advanced. From rookies to marathon champions, we provide personalized coaching to help endurance athletes reach their personal goals. Whether it's a 5K or 100-mile ultra, we have been there as coaches and athletes. Coach Kevin serves as the national coach for the St. Jude Heroes program, and I'm Coach Holly, and I'm a varsity cross-country coach. And now, as always, here is Coach Kevin. Wow. <laughs> wow, Coach Holly. What an intro. Feeling it today. So episode 18, that's what we get. Mm-hmm. Wow, I love it. Just brace yourself for love the attitude. It episode mu- 20. <laughs> it must be the end of the school year. It actually yes. <laughs> well, you know, my wife also in the school world. Yes, I do. And May is a crazy month. It is nuts. And now you all are are released and decompressing Mm -hmm. because it's summer. Finally. Big transition for you. Yeah. I've got two things I'm transitioning to. Well, first, yes, May is nuts. And so I survived it, all the programs and graduations and all those things. And so my goal in May is usually just kind of to hang on, get the workouts done, just hang on. And so once summer hits, you know, we often talk about winter and how people add in cross training during the winter. But for me, I actually do that in the summer. Last summer, I did a lot of hot yoga and I did added cycle bar into my routine. And I haven't maybe done yoga once in the past seven months during the whole school year. I just don't have time for that. Um, And I've done cycle bar once a week on Sundays, but now it's summer and I can do all that. So day one of summer this morning, I was at hot yoga at 7 a.m. Nice. And Thursday, today is what, Tuesday? I'll be at Cycle Bar in the morning. So I usually add that into into the mix of things for the summer. Um, and I feel like last summer, was the first summer I was purposeful in really trying to do that. And I feel like it paid, paid off quite a bit in the fall as I um, started doing some bigger blocks of, of, of training. Yeah. But the other thing that for me, because I am a cross-country coach and our cross-country season is in the fall, I'm starting that up. So I'm not teaching, but I'm going to be very busy with that. So we had some time trials this past week so I could get a base time, kind of see where they are and use it as as a measuring stick for August. And so we'll start practice in a week and we practice four days a week. Yeah, it's cross country is a fall sport, but it starts now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. track is over. Time to start working on that summer base running through the heat. Yes. Well, I think that transition is really uh, a good teaching moment. No pun intended. (laughs) Here's somebody, an adult, family, kids, Mm -hmm. job, things to do, and you can see the big picture. Summer is where you get a big chunk of Mm -hmm. your time back, so you take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. You don't go sit around all day. You take time to do the things that you can't do during the school year. They're going to pay dividends for the rest of the year. So that's really smart running and smart life management. Mm -hmm. Because during the school year, you know, I leave for school at 6.30 and some days I'm not home until 4.30, 5 o'clock. And if I have, because my time is limited, I usually just run. I might do some strength training at home, but I just don't have the time to do the other stuff um, during the school year. I just concentrate on the running. And so now, yeah, try to add it in and get it done in the summer. Smart, smart. Now I have to ask you about something else. What is it? How are those push-ups going? (laughs) They're going well. I did fifty yesterday. Right. Now we've talked about this before. That <laughs> as runners, we 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 want to strength train and go to the gym, but when we can't, it, when all else fails, do push ups because push ups are a very great measure of just basic strength. Yeah. And I've started it a few months ago. I was going to say uh, you inspired me because you were telling me this weekend about your push ups. So when did you start that? 
actually it's been about five weeks okay. and I'm just, my goal, I started out, I want to do a hundred a day mm-hmm. in little chunks. I started out 10 at a time. Now I'm doing 20 to 30 per set and mm-hmm. trying to get up. And last week I was just over 800 pushups for the week. So I just want to keep working on that. It's another accountability. It's another check mark. I put it in my daily planner yep. um, and noticing a difference six weeks later that I can sit down and do that many pushups and it's not <laughs> a great, great achievement anymore. It's just get down and do the pushups. So. Yeah. And now you're on it. I am. I did 50 yesterday and I'm at 30 today. So I'm going to try to do maybe 50 a day this week and kind of build up from there. I can do 10 in a row right now, but we'll see where that goes. Uh, it's a great idea. It's, this is another perfect scenario of things that it's incremental improvements. Mm-hmm. Today, tomorrow, the next day, it doesn't really show up, but you keep doing 30, 50, 100, 200, 300 pushups a day. You'll know, you'll see a difference in mm-hmm. eight weeks. It's a great idea for runners who need to start adding some extra things, but are in a time crunch or just don't know what to do at the gym. Okay, take ten minutes a day and do these push-ups. Mm-hmm. Give yourself a plank challenge. Yes, that's usually what I encourage my cross-country kids over the summer to do: is do let's start with thirty seconds of push-ups, thirty seconds plank, and do that four or five times. The next week, let's build up to forty. 40 and 40. I usually do tell them do for push-ups time and not for n- um, number. And then they just build up from there because you just roll into your plank from your yeah, push-up. can make a big difference over the course of, yeah. you know, two, three, four or five months. So yeah. everybody get out there and let's start a plank challenge. Let's, let's start it. a push-up challenge <laughs> and we'll report it. Maybe we'll put something up on our, on the Can't and Stop phrases. Facebook page. I've been doing oh. some calf phrases while I brush my teeth. All the calf phrases. Like y'all, you just have to be, you have to think about your time. <laughs> No, no standing around. No standing around. Calf raises, push-ups, planks. Let's go. Because my cross-country kids often have trouble with shin splints. And so I was like, y'all, while you're brushing your teeth, just knock out 10. At night, knock out 10 more because that will help prevent some of the shin splints that inevitably will inevitably will come around come yep. August. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So what are we doing today? So one of the questions that has come up quite a bit. We'll call this the question of the week, maybe, because we have been talking a lot, I think the past, what, three podcasts about 5K racing season. Right. Because we had a four-miler last week. We have a three-miler this week, and then it's just going to keep going from there. And so we've had a, a lot of people instant message us, email us about racing strategy for these 5Ks, about how to run them smart. You know, we've had a podcast about how to be a smart runner, so we're going to talk today about being a smart racer and racing for peak performance um, during the summer racing season. Yeah, I like this. I really like this topic, and this is one of those things as runners and coaches, we stand around and we can talk about this stuff all day because it's so interesting and so valuable. So, Holly, let's start with the really big picture. Let's talk about racing goals in general. And I think they really fall into two categories. First one is outcome-based goals. And that's where you really care about the outcome and ranking. So whether that's your finish time, I want to break 25 minutes or Mm -hmm. 30 minutes or whatever that number is in this next race, or I want to place in my age group or I want to win my age group, or crack the top 10 in my age, whatever those, it's outcome-based. And those are good goals in the right setting. Mm-hmm. Or even have, you talk about a finish time, or even have a, um, a pace time goal. Yep. Um, I had a, a runner run this past weekend, and we kind of talked about what a goal should be, and we mentioned a time, and she said, I just want my average to be 758. 
that's what I want it to be. I want it to be under eight minutes because with 5Ks, you can have a 5K that's 3.1 miles or you can have a 5K that's 3.2 miles. So her watch said 7.58. She hit it, but her little slip of paper, (laughs) the race was, I think, 3.23, said 8.08. And so we took it. We said, "Don't, don't worry about that. That's what you were going for and that's where you are. Yeah. So let's talk about setting expectations for outcome-based races. Uh, You've trained all summer or you've trained all fall for your goal marathon, and you've got an outcome-based goal, a a certain finish time on the clock. The way to set the right expectation is to make sure that goal is based on reality. Your training. (laughs) Your training. What If it's marathon season, what is your 5K, 10K, half marathon progression been? Mm -hmm. Have you practiced all your fueling? Do you know what your pace should be? Are you disciplined enough to run the race correctly and give yourself the best shot at that finish time? Yeah. The other one is a little trickier. That's you really, really want to place somewhere, a certain place in your age group. Again, you could be looking to win, get on the podium or crack the top 20 in some big race in your Mm -hmm. age group. That's a little trickier because you don't know who's going to show up that day. Never know who's going to show up. Uh, you know, when I'm in shape, I can show up, and depending upon who else in my age group locally shows up, I could win my age group, or I could be seventh or eighth. Yeah, it just depends. Mm-hmm. Luck of the draw, right? And you you can't really you can't gloat too much when you hit the goal, or when you <laughs> can't whine too much when you miss it, because you just don't know who's going to show up. It is what it is. Yeah. But I think it's if you're competitive, it's a good driving goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to go into it realistically knowing, okay, I think I know who my competition is, but you really don't because no. somebody could come in from out of town. Mm-hmm. You don't, uh, we see this in the fall road race series a lot. People who Joe Blow is, is killing them in the series and they've, I've always beaten him before. And then before that, you know, then they see, oh, well, he was training for the New York marathon. So he's in peak marathon shape. So of course he's running his best and I've not just so. You just never know what other people's training has been, Mm -hmm. what kind of shape they're in. Um, So you just have to be careful with hard outcome goals. Yeah. Because you really set yourself up for, you could go and PR, run a great race, given the conditions and somebody else wins your age group and you're crushed Mm -hmm. but you did the best you could do that's the problem yeah i'm not a big fan of outcome based goals because again you just don't know i would rather look at i ran 24 minutes at this time you know back in in january and i've done this much work since then and this is what my training shows i'm going to try to break into the 23s this time so to me that is um you just need to run for you Run against yourself, run against your time, and that is what is best. And if you're doing the best you can and you win your age group, that's just icing on the cake. Absolutely. And I think that's why we preach so much about the second type of race goal, which is a personal performance goal. If you focus on personal performance, everything else kind of takes care of itself. If you go out and you give your best and you hit your outcome goal Mm -hmm. of a PR or a certain placing in your age group. Great. If you go out and, and give up and quit, well, performance goal didn't matter or you do your best and you get beat. Well, yeah, it wasn't your day to beat that person. So performance goals is really what we prefer. That is do my best. That is 
maintain the race plan that you and your coach set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit the even or negative splits. Yes. Hit that. Whatever <laughs> your coach said the first mile should be, nail, nail it. Nail it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then hit all the other splits. And then let your mental game take over in the last third of that race. And mm-hmm. gut it out. And don't give up. And chase that one last person down. Yeah. If you do all that, you've done all you can do, mm-hmm. right? You control it. You've yeah. controlled everything you can control. Yeah. Outcome-based goals, everything's out of your control. Performance-based goals, it's all in your control. All about you. It's mm-hmm. all about the test of self. And did you, you know, I've I've placed in my age group and won my age group in races where I didn't really, yeah, I gave up. I didn't, but the right people didn't show up. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, look, I won the trophy, but. Yeah, I wasn't my best effort, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Some of my best races, I was fourth or fifth in my age group and missed out. But yeah. Great. High five to you, but I'm happy with my race. Sometimes I've asked my runners when they're going to do a 5K, I'm like, do you want to run a big one? Well, there's going to be a bunch of people there and it's going to be a well-done race or do you want to just, or do you want to just go and run a small, teeny tiny one where you're guaranteed to probably win your age group? Or be a little more under the radar. Yeah. 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 Um, so, Pick your races and pick your goals accordingly. Um, we strongly encourage you to pick performance-based goals and judge your performance based on that outcome, mm-hmm. not where you placed. Yep. Because uh, we had a big race last week, and uh, we had an athlete run really, really well. She was kind of beating up on herself a little bit because of her placing, but she ran a PR yeah. and ran a super strong race. So high five, you did the best you could do that day. So. Yeah. I know I've had those times after a race where you're a little dejected, like, oh, man, if I just pushed a little harder, I might have, blah, blah, but I really did the best I could. Yeah. Give it 24 hours and you wake up. And, okay. Yeah. That was, that, that was all I had that day. And I'm happy with that. Yeah. Tends to make for a more satisfying race experience. Yeah. Especially once you sit on it for a couple of days and think, th- and think about it. Now, here's something we talk about all the time. Pacing. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Smart running, smart runners pacing is the key super important oh my gosh because what do dumb runners do go out way too fast so fast and it doesn't matter what race you're in it could be a 5k or a marathon you could blow it out in the first not half but even first like quarter of the race and totally ruin your race yeah you you can really you can't really win your race in the first third but you can really screw it up Mm -hmm. you can screw it up you all the damage in the 5k is done in the first 800 yards. Mm -hmm. That's where you screw up your 5k in the marathon. It's usually the first 5k or 10k. Yeah. If you screw that up, you really don't have a shot. Mm -hmm. Um, so we want you to be smart. And I think the best way to be smart is even splits. Mm -hmm. If you're in shape to run your 5k in eight minute pace, your first mile should be eight minutes, eight minutes. Mm -hmm. Second mile should be as close to that as you can get. And then let it all hang out in mile three. You know, I mainly coach girls. I'm always like, run like your hair's on fire that last little bit. Yeah. Just sprint it in. Yeah. And it may take all of that effort to maintain that eight-minute pace, or you may find 5, 10, 15 seconds where you speed up. Yeah. But that's really the only way to race smart and get the best performance and the best use of your energy system, right? You spike your heart rate too soon mm-hmm. in that first third of the race, regardless of the distance, you're toast. You're done. Yeah. And Running those even splits, that that eight minute per mile five k runner, if you're if you're running even splits in that last mile, 
you feel like you're flying because mm-hmm. all those people who went out in seven and a half, they're dying. They're running nines yep. and you are flying mm-hmm. past them. And that's such a good feeling. And I've and, been on both sides of that. Um, and that's, that's hard to, and that's, I think that's a very hard skill to learn. It takes a, lo- a long time to, to teach that not only to, you know, one of my cross country kids, but to adults too. You know, that's one of the things my daughter last year ran our summer racing series and she was nine at the time. And she would always want to go out too fast. And we'd always tell her, just, hey, because all you know, all the, that's all the kids, right? All the kids sprint the first mile. She would freak out and we'd say, just wait. You run your race, you run your pace, and we'll just start reeling them in. So she loved that saying, Mom, we're just going to reel them in. We're going <laughs> to reel them in. And so she did. She yeah. ended up winning her age group for all of the races because all those kids would sprint and she would eventually catch up to them. Smart. Let those people go. Let them well, go. Well, she had her parents in her ear telling her, telling her that, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. Let them go. You'll catch them. So that's even splits. Uh, the second strategy is negative splits. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the best mental, physical experience. Now, if you're a newbie, a negative split for you might be the first mile in 13 minutes, the second mile in 12 minutes, and then the last mile as fast as you can. It may be 11 minutes. Yeah. That's a negative split. For the finely tuned athlete, let's go back to that person who runs an eight-minute pace. That's going to mean going out in 803, 805, Mm -hmm. hitting mile two right on eight Eight minutes. minutes, And and then then you've got a little left to get down there into the 750 something. And that's a negative split. You're going to feel the best. You're going to feel the strength. It's still going to hurt. Mm -hmm. We talked about that on the last episode. It's still going to be very painful, uncomfortable. Yeah. But you're you're speeding up and mentally you feel stronger. So and that's exactly what Ida Runner run the a race this weekend, and that was exactly her plan. Run eight oh five ish, go into eights, and then blow it out of the water. And that's exactly what she did. That's the way to do it. Yeah. And, and then lastly, the third strategy is positive splits. We also call this banking time. <laughs> you Go can't on. bank time. You really can't. <laughs> now, the old I think people watch too many movies. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna catch a flyer today. I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go out on the edge and go for it. Yeah, you're, uh, you're gonna fall and there's no net, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's uh, it's running going out too fast again. Let's go back to our eight minute per mile runner. Well, today he it's always a guy. He's feeling it. It's, I'm I'm going for it today. I'm just gonna go as fast as I can and see if I can hang on. And they go through the first mile in seven oh five. Oh god. And then the second mile in seven. 50 and then the third mile in nine and it becomes a death march it's the most painful physically and mentally it's the least rewarding and the longer the race the more of a death march that becomes yeah um in a 5k going out too fast can cost you 20 seconds 60 seconds in a marathon it can cost you 30 minutes an hour Mm -hmm. um you want to especially if you're at the point of a death march literally in a marathon you're just trying to walk it in too much people <laughs> <laughs> Try, just I, they still do it they yeah. all they, it, it's so hard to teach but once they figure it out once a runner figures out the benefits of even to negative splits uh, it's a game changer mm-hmm. uh, and i have runners i've coached for a long time and they they they've got that wild stallion mentality <laughs> they still go out too fast and they'll say it they'll, i i just can't i i know what's going to happen and I, I'm going to try, but so we just work on it in our workouts. Yeah. We, let's be patient with these intervals. Let's be patient with this progression run and those kind of things. Yeah. Pacing people. I, I try to be smart. Okay. 
so now it's race day. Let's talk about racing strategy in the moment. You wake up, it's race day. We're going to get up and we're going to drive to the race. And what do you want to see your runners do? Warming up. Warming up. How many runners pull up to the 5K? <laughs> get right out of their car. Get out of the car and the walk line. to the starting line. Mm-hmm. Or get out of their car, stand in the porta potty line, and then go straight and just stand in the stand. Yeah. Mm. And if you're a little older, smidge older, like I am, not too much, not your age. <laughs> no, no kidding. <laughs> I actually get up in the morning. One of the first things I do is do some. What do I tell you I do? Activate my muscles. Activate your muscles. I do. I get out the the stick. I use the foam roller. I do a couple of yoga poses just because I know my body and I know I have to do that. Um, And some of the best races I've had are the ones where I've literally gotten up, done some of that stuff, gotten to the race, run a little bit, and then jumped on on the start line. Well, it, it makes perfect physiological sense. Yeah. Right, you've gotten your muscles ready and loosened up, mm-hmm. rather than getting up out of bed, getting in the car, yep. and then trying to go run race pace. So, I want my—I you know, get this question a lot because people just don't understand it. Even if you're trying to run your first 5K or break 30 minutes or break 25 or whatever your number is, you need to warm up before the event. Typically, it's a 15 to 20 minute warm up. So. But in the South, when it's as hot as it's going yes. to be, you don't need that much. You need no. maybe 10 minutes, mm-hmm. 15 minutes. So I want my runners to, to, to look at the clock and back up. So if the race starts at 8 o'clock at 7.30, I want you to get up and move around a little bit. And then maybe go for a light jog, do your little stretches, and finish this warm-up with less than five minutes to go before the race. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to warm up for 10 to 15 minutes at 745, get up, go for a really nice, easy jog to get everything loosened up, do your stretches, jog around a little more. If you're really racing, do a few pickups. Yeah. Like I'm talking striders. 20 seconds, mm-hmm. stride it out, get up to race pace and then cut it off. You just want to get your heart, get your blood pumping, get your heart rate up a little bit. Yeah. Get all well, in the south it's impossible but get almost to the point where you're sweating and then you're ready to go we get out of the car and we're sweating we're getting out of the car i'm sweating in the car and you don't you want to end your warm-up minutes before the race you okay. don't want to warm up and then stand in the corral for 10 minutes yeah what do you like to do holly if the race is at eight i'll probably get there at seven get my gear change my clothes and then probably about that time, I might go a little bit earlier, maybe about 7.20 or so, jog a little part of the course, come back, stretch a little bit, maybe jog a little bit more, um, stretch a little bit more, maybe do a couple of striders. And then, you know, 10 minutes, under 10 minutes, I'm trying to find my place in the start, um, depending on what kind of, of timing system is in place, trying to figure out where I need to, to place myself. Yeah. So find out what works for you. If you're a yoga person, maybe you... you jog around for five minutes and then go through five minutes of yoga. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're a beginner couch to 5k, maybe you just walk, walk around for five or 10 minutes, get the blood flowing, do a few stretches to get your body ready. Um, I know I'd learned in triathlon that I always ran better off the bike because everything was warmed up and loose and the hips were warmed up, warmed up and the range of motion was, was uh, bigger. So there were some races like you, where you got up to do your Holly muscle activation. (laughs) I would get up and get on the bike and spin for 20, 30 minutes and then go to the race just to, just to get warmed up, do something. Yeah. I usually kind of do, whether it's the foam roller or the stick, I usually do something before almost every run. I mean, I've just gotten to that point where I can't, 
I can't show up to um, most runs without doing any some without doing some type of warm up. I yeah, have to. Got to get the blood flowing. So then, uh, when you're when you're getting ready for the race, I want you to to visualize that first mile. If you know the course, it's very easy to do. If you don't, part of your warm up could be maybe the first half mile of the course. Yeah. Just so you know, are there any turns? Is it right? Is it left? Is there mm-hmm. a hill? Is it narrow? Are there potholes? Just yeah. so you, then you can kind of visualize where you're going to, where you're going to go. In most races, you can get online and you can look at the course map and yep. you can see where it is. You can see how many turns are in the race. You can see where the hills are. So you can kind of figure that out even beforehand. Yep. So you could not only kind of visualize the first mile, but also just kind of know this is what this course is. Yeah. Open up Google Maps and then go to Street View and you can stand yeah. on the street and look around and see what it looks like. Uh, and then seed yourself at the start. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. What's more frustrating than having to pass walkers, having to pass walkers mm-hmm. or the guy who starts at the back and runs a seven minute mile and he's yeah. darting through everybody. Yeah. If everybody seeds themselves, you don't want to be too fast or too slow. You want to try to find your people yeah. so that it's a smooth start and then relax, right? That first 400 yards Remember, you, can, you, you can't really win it in the first 400, but you can screw it up. You can screw it up, yeah. So just get up to speed. Get running. Don't panic. Don't do all the hopping around, weaving in and out of people. Just let it kind of flow that first 400 meters, the first half mile, and then you can f- kind of find your space and go to work. Don't freak out because there's tons of people passing you. Just run your race. Let them go. Let them go. You're going to catch them. You're going to reel them in. If you're supposed to catch them, you'll catch them. Yeah. You usually, you see most of those people again. And we always want to cut the corners and run the tangents. We talk about that a lot. I don't think people understand that races are measured through the shortest direct path through every curve mm-hmm. and turn and intersection. So the course markers don't hug the curb. They go right down the middle of a curvy street. If there's an intersection with a left turn, they're cutting that corner. They're not taking the wide sweeping turn. Yeah. Now, on our small local races, on a 5K, it it matters, but it's not crucial. Yeah. But a longer race, a half marathon, a 10K, a half marathon, a marathon. That matters. It matters because mm-hmm. you can add several tenths of a mile to your race. Which is why when you finish one of those longer races, you won't see 26.2. Yep. You might see 27 miles. Yep. Um, if not more than that. And why would you want to go a step further than you have to? I know. To? Uh, and I see it at races. And it, it, I, Especially I if you're trying to hit a qualifying time. Yeah. Got to be right. smart. You want to run the shortest. Uh, I see it in, you know, a road with a sweeping curve and it curves to the left. And there are runners over there on the right curb just running parallel yeah. to the curb. I'm like, come on. What come, are you doing? Cut, come over here. <laughs> come over here with me and let's cut, shave. You want to shave those, those corners off. Uh, drafting. Do you draft, Holly? It depends. Yeah. I drafted off you one race this year. <laughs> that's right. You, you did. told me to, though. And you had a good race, right? <laughs> you said, just stick on my shoulder this whole race, and that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Depending upon the conditions and the course, if, if it's a windy day and there's a headwind or a crosswind, you want to tuck in behind some other runners because it can matter. It can mm-hmm. save you 5, 10, 15% energy expenditure versus fighting the wind we really see this in cycling you know it's it's crucial in cycling that you draft otherwise you're you're working 30 percent harder than everybody else and drafting in your training runs i mean your training rides oh yeah that's you know that's why you don't see cyclists spread out across the road they're all lined up because we're trying to 
and we take turns if it's a friendly ride you take turns going to the front to draft yeah uh the last thing there you, we all know the chatterboxes in a race right yes we do we, we had a runner several years ago who was mr social he liked to talk to everybody <laughs> but he couldn't understand why he couldn't pr and i didn't really either because all of his training runs pointed towards a pr yeah well then i had somebody just offhand go oh, hey i was running with so-and-so and boy he talked our ears off the whole way <laughs> it's like oh that's what he's doing so we had a talk and i said look I know you want to visit with everybody, but let's visit before and after the race. This next race, just humor me and shut up. Mm-hmm. Don't talk to anybody. Wave, thumbs up. But he PR, didn't he? A PR by a minute <laughs> in a 5K. <laughs> oh, my word. A few words here and there is fine. I know personally, I'm... I'm Most people focused. running a 5K, we're, it's hard. We've talked about that, right? It's a cage match in there. Trying to fight through some pain. It, I don't want somebody. It's, it's a I don't cage want, match between my ears. I don't want somebody jotting my 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 ears off. Yeah, I think I've I think you, I've had it too. People pull up beside you. Hey, well, hey, how you fits going? Hey, look at this nice day. And I'm like, mm, thumbs up. That's all I got. Working. I'm, I'm focused. It's all it's all I've got to wrestle with these voices in my head and keep yeah. running. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about between the ears. Let's talk a little race psychology. Race psychology. You really have to, you know, we train, we practice, we work on our inner pace clock. We try to get them to quiet the inner critic and the inner ego and, and focus in the moment and focus just on this mile. That's really hard to do. And when things don't go as expected, you're, heaven forbid your Garmin doesn't link up. <gasps> what people's races are over (laughs) no learn to deal with the unexpected so in that case maybe you don't do i'm I'm gonna say it you don't do every run with your garmin Garmin. or you learn to how will strava know what i ran (laughs) (laughs) coach strava won't know my workout i know so because all that does is waste energy on the stressful situation that you can't really afford to waste yeah. and it really physically isn't affecting your race or traffic on the way to the race. Well, plan ahead, plan ahead, you get there, get there early, mm-hmm. give yourself an extra 20 minutes, 20 minutes earlier than you thought. And then if you do run into traffic, no stress, yeah. right? If, if porta potty lines stress you out, stop on the way mm-hmm. and get one last at the Starbucks or the gas station or wherever and use the restroom. Yeah. Um, deal with the unexpected by being prepared and mm-hmm. calm and on time and all that. Uh, dealing with negative people at races, right? The the person who's going to stand around at a hot race. It's so hot. And, it's so hot. Oh, oh my God. It's so hot. It's uh, gonna be, boy, it's going to be a scorcher, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I melt. I, it's so cold. I can't race in the heat. Yeah. Oh, it's so cold today. How, what, are, what are we going to do? <laughs> it's what if it rains? We're going to run. We're going to run. So if there's somebody in your running circles who's that negative energy, just avoid them until after the race, yeah. right? You don't need that energy suck around you. Um, Put your headphones on and walk away if you're yeah. wearing headphones. Yeah. If you can't be direct and say, yeah, I really, I want to focus on the positive things. Just, mm-hmm. yeah, put your headphones in and act like you can't hear them or yeah. walk away. Excuse well, yourself. Hey, yeah. I need to go over here. Yeah. So that you can keep it positive. You want to focus on, in those last moments, you want to focus on your fitness. You've done the work. You want to be visualizing the first mile, the first turn, 
focus on your performance goal. What's my, what should my pace be? Yeah. Visualize the first mile, visualize the race course, um, and think about what's going to be challenging that day. Yeah. If it's going to be a hilly course, if the weather is bad, if it is 90 degrees on a, on a May evening, you have to think about these things. Um, and think about how you can, how you can deal with them and how you can, um, overcome them. Yeah. So we're taking these obstacles and we're turning them into a challenge. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, we're, we're harping on it, but, but it's, it's the gorilla in the room in the South right now. It's oppressive heat and humidity. You can't, it's really not PR weather. So there's a, there's a hot 5k on Friday. We know that. We know it's going to be really hot and hard and sticky. So let's and turn that into a challenge. 24 turns in that race? 24 turns in three miles. So mm-hmm. let's do this. We know that it's going to be, let's say, 90 degrees and sunny. Yeah. Let's go back to our eight minute per mile 5K runner. Let's turn it into a game. If I can hit the first mile in 820, mm-hmm. and then I want to go negative from there. If it's by a second or 10 seconds per mile, negative split. Yeah. But if you go out on 750 oh, yeah. in those conditions, it's not, it's going to be terrible. So mm-hmm. turn the obstacle into a challenge. If it's bad weather, uh, we've both run in some horrendous conditions, hail, thunderstorms, yeah. rain, cold, scorching heat. Sometimes that's what makes the thing most rewarding. Oh, yeah. We do it because it's hard. Mm-hmm. We talked about that last week about learning to suffer. Learning to suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some courses around here. The the 10 miler out in Shelby Ooh, Forest. That's a hard Brutally, one. Mm-hmm. for this part of the country, super, super hilly. hilly. You dread it, you dread it, but you get out there and you do it. And when you're done, it's high fives all around because, man, that was hard. Mm -hmm. I had several races like that that I signed up for knowing that this was going to be hard, snowy, cold, whatever it was. I knew that I knew that that this was going to happen. And you go and do it. And once it's done, you're like, that's that's great. Look what I did. You're pumped. Look what we did. Look what we did. Yeah. Versus sleeping in. Right. Get Mm -hmm. out there in it. Uh, Because sometimes those and they have. The most rewarding and satisfying in having nothing to do with what the time on the clock oh, yeah. is. Yeah. Just showed up. Showed up. Got out there in it. Wasn't scared. Mm-hmm. Well, may have been scared, but it bit. still showed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so really, if you if you'll pick the right big goal, which we hope it's a performance-based goal, and then execute your plan, even to negative splits, that your first goal of every race should be to hit that first mile right on target. Yep. Not too fast, not too slow. As we say around here, race smart. Race smart, right? Race smart. Warm up, get ready to go, visualize the first mile, cut the corners, draft when it's windy. Don't waste any energy going sideways around people. Don't waste energy chatting. Mm-hmm. Deal with the unexpected. Keep it positive. Embrace the challenges. Because that's really all you've got. Yeah. You can't control the weather, Mm-mm. the hills, who else shows up. Control what you can control. Be prepared. Look at the course map. Look at where you should park. Look at the weather. Bring a rain jacket if you need one. Wear a tank top and not tights on, you know, shorts and not tights on a, on a hot day. Just control what you can control. Yep. Really- Set yourself up for, again, as we said earlier, that, you know, tr- being prepared will help you race for peak performance. Yep. That will be, help you be a smart runner in that way. Yeah. So we hope that everyone 
takes to heart some of these lessons. If you have questions and comments about this, we'd love to hear your racing stories and racing experiences. Coach at can'tstopendurance.com or you can message us on any of the social media. Yeah, that's where this question came from. We had several people asking, you guys keep talking about this 5K racing season. Why don't you expand on that a little bit and help us be a little bit smarter in that? Okay. All right. So that wraps up this episode, episode 18 in the books. So please go to iTunes, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. And as we said a minute ago, you can reach out to us at coaching at can'tstopendurance.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as we say around here, run smart, train hard, and race fast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.